At this time, as we open the scriptures here, any elementary kids are welcome to gather out in the foyer for the beginning of a children's uh, worship time uh, led by Mr. David, our children's minister. And all who remain right here will we'll turn to the New Testament. We'll, learn to, we'll turn to First uh, Timothy, uh, Paul's letter, his first letter to Timothy, First Timothy uh, chapter 5 this morning for a message titled Kingdom Community. Uh, throughout this month, throughout the month of January, we, we've been uh, doing something a bit different. We've been pausing from our sequential study of the Sermon on the Mount. We've covered Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to come back and pick up and, and finish that study of this famous sermon, these teachings that Jesus gave. Uh, but throughout January, we've been uh, talking about what it means to be kingdom people, what it means to put Christ first, what it means to seek Him first. Uh, last week, we leaned into what it means to have uh, kingdom values, and we talked about the importance of life and the sanctity of human life. And today, we're going to talk specifically about what it means to be part of this people, a community of God's people, uh, a kingdom community. And so our text today comes from 1 Timothy chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 8. There are many texts in uh, the New Testament uh, that we could turn to or look to to talk about uh, what it means to have relationships, horizontal relationships in the body of Christ. But this is one uh, that the Lord uh, placed on my mind. And so First Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. And let me invite all of you uh, who are able, would you join me standing, whether in body or in spirit, for the reading of, of God's word. First Timothy chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, Paul writes, he says, Do not rebuke an older man harshly. But exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Would you pause with me as we pray? Father, we pray that you would guide us, Lord, that you would instruct us, that you would shape us and correct us and conform us, Lord, that we might know what it means to, to love and to follow Jesus. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. What's it like in your home? That's a loaded question, I know, but what, what's it like to be part of your household? Like, what, what schedules uh, are practiced? What rules are expected to be followed? Uh, what priorities are in place? What values are upheld? What tones are used? What benefits are provided to those who bear the same last name? Paul's writing to Timothy, his, his son in the faith, he calls him, giving younger Timothy instructions for leading the church in Ephesus. Timothy was, was Paul's apostolic delegate. He's representing 
the Apostle Paul until appropriate leadership is established in that particular place. And the focus of the letter is on church health. Uh, Being a church that rightly represents the gospel. The gospel of Jesus that saves sinners and welcomes them into a kingdom community. Of course, yes, one that spans ages and cultures and that will one day be comprised of people from every nation, but a community that's made up of localized church families under the lordship of Jesus Christ who are committed to one another like a household with rules and schedules and expectations and benefits. In fact, in this letter, Paul calls the church God's household. We think about that for a moment. God's household. He says that God's household is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. He's writing to Timothy. He's writing so that Timothy will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's family. First Timothy chapter three, verse 15. In other words, there's an expectation of uh, relational connectivity and behavioral conduct for those who are part of the family. Family is a good thing. We know this. Like many of the issues of society today can be traced to the breakdown of healthy families. And when we trust Jesus for salvation, God adopts us into his family. God adopts those that he calls And invites us then to approach him as our good father and to relate to one another as members of the same family. God's grace unites the church as family. The grace of God, the grace that we've sung about this morning, the grace that saves sinners unites the church as family. Many of us, no doubt, are the product of a very sort of westernized, privatized expression of of our faith. Where perhaps crusades and revivals and altar calls have so emphasized personal, private response that perhaps we've underemphasized the significance of being called into community, called into Christ's community. Say it like this. My faith is a personal matter. No doubt. So is yours. No no one else can save me. No one else's faith uh, can get me Uh, into heaven. No one else's faith or even no one else's prayers ultimately get me or you into the kingdom of God. If someone else's faith could, then I suppose it would be uh, my granny, my granny who loves the Lord, no doubt, with all her heart, soul, mind, and strength. A woman who I know prays for me, has prayed for me, prayed for me before I was even born, no doubt prays for me and my household even today that we would know And follow Christ. Granny that is going to watch this message. And Granny, I I love you. I don't know anyone else like you. But even so, Granny's faith can't get me into heaven. It's between Jesus and me. However, at the very same time, uh, genuine faith doesn't just remain between Jesus and me. Biblical faith is a belonging faith, a faith by which we become members of God's household, belonging to fellow brothers 
and sisters in Christ, a new and expanded family. None of us have earned this. And none of us deserve this. We've all been given first-class tickets to God's house that someone else paid for. Counter as it is to the competitive, self-obsessed drive to the top that is in each of us, grace levels us. It humbles us. Unites us together as family so that we no longer see one another as either a help or a hindrance, but as fellow recipients of God's saving grace. God's grace unites the church as family. And as family, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul's telling the church that as brothers and sisters in Christ, we must love each other as family. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we, we must love each other as family. In fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, the chapter just prior to the one we just read, Paul addresses the church as uh, the brothers and sisters. Or in some translations, many translations, we'll just say as as the brothers. Greek word is adelphoi, and it can refer to mixed gender company. No doubt it is right here. It's talking about the believers, the brothers and the sisters. In a sense, every fellow Christian is your brother or your sister in Christ. Know them or not. Either they're like, Cousins that we've not yet met, but the local church, the local church is the place where you're to know your brothers and your sisters and to live out what it means to be family in Jesus Christ. So friends, these are your brothers and your sisters in Christ. These are your fathers and your mothers and your sons and your daughters in, in the faith. Paul says to Timothy, point these things out. To the family. He says, do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers. Uh, Treat uh, older women as mothers and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. I think it sounds a good bit like what Jesus said is recorded in Mark chapter 3. We're told that a crowd was sitting around Jesus one day and they told him that they, being the disciples, they came to Jesus. They said, uh, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. They want, they want to know what's, why, why you're not home. What's going on? Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. And he looked at those seated in a circle around him. And Jesus said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus wasn't. Ignoring his biological family, but Jesus was saying his mission expands the family. Jesus came to to grow God's family by inviting whosoever will to become part of it, to become part of, of the family. Friend, have you become part of the family? Are you part of God's people? Have you been adopted into his family? Do you know him as your, your father? Have you responded to the invitation of, of Jesus Christ to lay your guilt at the foot of the cross and follow in faith the one who gave his life for you and for me upon that cross? Are you in the family of Christ? Believer, are you loving your family in Christ?
the Jones household were, were learning some things about what it means to, to grow up. Uh, and recently we, we've um, learned and are talking about the D word. Uh, you, you know about the D word, right? Uh, I hope you do. Deodorant, right? You didn't know where I was going with that. Deodorant, right? And so just the other, just the other day, uh, my, my eight-year-old uh, comes home and uh, he says to his mother, Hey, Mom, I think it's going to be a long time before I have to wear deodorant. Oh, really, son, she says. What, what makes you say that? Because two people at school today told me I smell good. <laughs> Obviously, that was out of the norm. That doesn't typically uh, happen to uh, a, a boy who's used to playing football or whatever at recess with his buddies at school. But uh, Paxton thought he just happened to uh, exude good smells all of a sudden. But what he didn't know was that his mother had recently purchased Downy Light, uh, ocean mist scent booster that goes in with your clothes and makes you smell uh, extra something, a little extra, an attractive, a boost, something, something good, something that catches the attention of others, something that makes others want to be around you. Church, as believers in Christ, there, there ought to be something a little extra about us. The way that we live, the way that we talk, the way that we interact with one another, the way that we serve one another ought to be attracted, yes, to one another, but also ought to be attractive to others that notice us. Jesus said it this way, but by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Friends, we demonstrate love through time and action. Meaning you won't love, you can't love, you don't love, and you won't display love to those you don't talk to. And hang out with. Some of us need to spend more time with the family. Some of us uh, need to open up more to fellow members of the family. Perhaps opening our homes. Sharing our table. Cultivating friendships among the people of God's household. I was talking to uh, some friends just the other uh, night and and realized uh, just through conversation that um, uh, that some of you are are royal family junkies, right? The the British royal family has received quite a bit of publicity lately. We know this in the passing of Queen Elizabeth and a particular wedding that uh, took place just a little while ago, between a few years ago, between Harry and, and Meghan and. Uh, there's been quite a bit of publicity lately, and some of that has uh, come from Harry and Meghan about the way that she's been treated by the family. Now, I'm not taking a stance on that. I don't know sort of the backstory there, the truth there or not. But uh, there's uh, been attempts that, uh, to convey that uh, she's not been fully accepted as a member of the family and welcomed in and loved as, as the family. Well, friends, may that never be the case in the body of Christ And we never hesitate to let others who have turned to Christ, who put their faith in Christ, who've bowed their hearts before Christ, may we never hesitate to let them become full members of the family, fellow sinners saved by God's grace. It's a really big deal to be part of the family. 
to be invited in, to be the recipients of God's rescuing and never failing love in Christ, going from outsiders to insiders, no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Friends, together we are fellow citizens and members of God's household. No longer separated, no longer divided, but united as family by the grace of our Heavenly Father. God's grace unites the church as family. As brothers and sisters, we must love each other like family. And as members of God's household, we must care for the family. We must care for the family. No doubt there are a lot of dysfunctional families, both nuclear families and church families, not acting like family, not loving one another, not caring for one another, not really interacting with one another, simply tolerating, ignoring or avoiding one another. And it's not good. Surviving, but not thriving. Living, but not really loving. In nearly a decade as a pastor, I can think of dozens of names of folks who have loved their family member well until the end of their earthly journey. Be it a husband for a wife, a wife for her husband, be it a child for a parent or to care for the family. It's not by accident that this is the language that The Bible uses to describe the church. The analogy is a family. The family is the standard that Paul uses to describe what we are in Christ. Families don't always function well, but there's a God-given familial bond. right? Known by believers and unbelievers alike, meant to foster care for members of the same household. Husbands were to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Uh, Parents were to care for our children as image bearers of God whom he has entrusted to us. All were to to honor our parents with respect and love and care regardless of their age or circumstance in life. There's a familial bond, an unexplainable and incomparable love given by God to those who bear the same name. It's a common grace that God gives us all. And Paul's saying here that if that's true of unbelievers, how much more should it be true of us? If non-Christians care for their own, how much more should Christ followers care for their own? Christ followers care for relatives in need. Paul is saying that Christ followers care for relatives in need. That's one of the points that Paul's making. He's talking about care for one another in the body of Christ. Uh, specifically caring for widows in the church. But he puts some parameters around widow care in order to prevent folks from dodging their familial responsibility to care for their own. He says in verse 4, he says, But if a widow has children or grandchildren, they should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. Says it again in verse 8. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. You see, even unbelievers provide for family members in need. How much more should we 
those who know the love of God, those who know what it's like to be loved by our maker, provide for the same. Christ's followers care for family members in need, and so should the church care for her relatives in need. That's the point here that Paul's making. Christ's church honors her faithful members in need. The church honors her faithful members in need. In other words, the church is to take care of her own who are really in need. Care for and within the body of Jesus Christ, leaning on each other and loving one another. And yes, providing for the needs of faithful members who are really in need. One of our Wednesday night studies, the horizontal Jesus study, that's a section of teaching by Tony Evans. Tony said this last week in our study. He said the ministry of the church is to mobilize the membership to care for one another. The ministry of the church is to mobilize the membership to care for one another. And so right here in First Timothy, Paul's talking about care. He's talking about care for a particular category of church members in need. Care for widows. Verse 3, give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. And widows in the ancient world were especially dependent on others. Usually extended family for care and for provision. This was before the proliferation of 401ks and pension plans and life insurance and assisted living facilities. Without a husband or a son to protect and provide, widows were often left vulnerable. And we know from Scripture, we, we know that God cares about the vulnerable. God has always emphasized care and compassion for the vulnerable among His people. James would say it this way, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You see, in the context of First Timothy, Paul seems to be referring to an official list of widows in the Ephesian church needing care. If we were to read on in this chapter, verse 9 refers to a particular list, a list. Likewise, there there are folks in our own faith family who could use care, support, love, prayers, encouragement. Church, we're to honor them. We're to love them. We're to reach out to them. We're to honor our faithful members in need by caring for one another in the body of Christ. Paul's words here of course, his words here about widows are just one specific example of someone in the family who might be in need, but not the only example. The same is true for the woman whose husband has abandoned her, for the teenager battling depression, for the terminally ill father whose strength is fading away, for the aging mother whose children have neglected to care for her, for the child without a father or mother pointing them to the hope of Christ. Friends, God's grace unites the church as family. So let's act like family. Let's love and care for each other well. Let's be the kind of kingdom community God intends for the church to be, knowing, praying, loving, and serving brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers in the faith. And friends, as we do, as we do, let's not forget those on the outside 
who don't yet know God's grace, who have not yet experienced what it means to be a people reconciled first to God and then to one another as members of a new community. Let's invite others to experience God's grace. Let's invite others to experience the grace of this God, meaning let's lead them to Christ. This is an exclusive club with a membership cap. This ain't the country club. This is God's community of sinners whose sin is no longer held against them. I know, friends, because we know we have received a gift we didn't purchase, a position that we didn't attain, and a Savior we don't deserve, we gladly give the gospel away and invite others to join us in experiencing experiencing Jesus. We shouldn't feel any more worthy of God's grace than Paul did. He called himself the worst of sinners. And yet, because we've received his grace, we want to share it. We want to tell others about it. So friends, let's invite others to experience God's grace and let's welcome others into God's family. Let's welcome others in to the family. May we be a family that loves and cares for her own well, yet always looking to grow the family. And so when someone we don't know comes through those doors and sits next to us and we don't speak to them, shame on us. Or if someone comes in and sits in our space and we tell them to move, shame on us. Right? May we be a hospitable people, a loving, caring, kind people who welcome others into the family because we know the Father who has welcomed us. Let's invite others to experience God's grace. Let's welcome others into God's family. And finally, let's love and care so well that it's difficult to leave. Friends, let's love and care for one another in the body of Christ so well that it's difficult to leave the family. May we be a church where it's easy to connect, but difficult to disconnect. May we be a place and a people where membership in the body matters so that we chase down the absent family member. Where we love and serve and support one another as brothers and sisters and fathers so well that only a commitment to Christ's mission could cause us to leave. Because we are His, rooted in Christ and connected to one another, belonging to each other. For God's grace has united us as family. Friend, I don't know where you are in your walk with Christ. Maybe you're not walking with Christ. Maybe you don't know Christ. Maybe you don't know what it's like to be reconciled to God, at peace with God, and to approach Him as your good and perfect Father. The encouragement, the admonition, the plea from the text this morning is to put your faith in Christ. Put your faith in Jesus to acknowledge your sin before God, to acknowledge that you've fallen short, that you don't deserve to be in his family, but you believe that he sent his son Jesus to rescue you, to save you, to cleanse you from your sin, that you could be made right with him. Approaching him as your father, your good and perfect father, now and forever. Put your faith in Jesus today. 
Perhaps you, you know the Lord. Perhaps you have put your faith in him, but you've not been walking in community with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Let me encourage you to correct that even now. To begin again, to be connected to a body of believers. Perhaps it's this one where you can walk with Christ alongside others and care for one another and lean on one another and serve one another and grow with one another and pray for one another as a family of faith looking to honor Christ. Oh, God, help us. Oh, God, help us to to know and to believe your grace. Oh, God, help us to come before you now and always through faith in your son, Jesus, who is our Savior. Oh, Spirit, convict us where we've been neglecting you or neglecting your family. And lead us, Lord, to deep and healthy relationships in a body of believers that spurs us on toward faith and good deeds, as your word says. Oh, God, not giving up the habit of meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as we see the day of Christ's return approaching. God, stir us even now to faith in you, to joy in Christ, and to a sense of what it means to belong to brothers and sisters in Christ. Stir us now as we sing about what it means to be your people. Stir us for your glory. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.